Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's Light the Tower. Your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way. And Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe. On your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, the Horn. morning good morning everybody welcome to light the tower on the horn 1049 1019 am 1260 we're live local and digital on the horn app and at hornfm.com colonel i apologize if you were forced to hold that plank about an extra six seven seconds i hope it was all right let me ask my producer Cameron Parker, are you familiar with the Colonel holding the plank position there at the start of the show? Colonel no. Craig Flowers, no, host of the High Ground here on uh, the Horn on Saturday mornings. When the show opens every morning, he he holds the plank position mm-hmm. while the opening riff of Eminence Front is going down there and does not lower until I open the microphone and tell everybody. And there's a certain area that that eight bar where I come in normally. But sometimes, like uh, this morning, for example, when I'd actually <laughs> covered up my headphones and I was scrambling to pull those back out and then plug those back in, there was an extra uh, there was an extra uh, four bar out of there <laughs> that I had to play just a little bit longer there. But the colonel's always in tip top physical shape, so he's he's uh, capable of holding that. Um, so we do welcome you. To uh, light the tower on the horn again, one zero four nine one zero one nine AM twelve sixty. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. My name is Craig Way. Glad to have you with us. Jeff Howell will be along shortly. Cameron Parker is our producer. How'd you spend your Thursday evening? What went down with you? Oh, you had basketball last night. I right? was out in Giddings High School. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the in in the cool gym out there mm-hmm. in uh, Lee County. Did you stop at uh, the little? Uh, uh, Buckies or the Buckaroos or the Buccarinos, as folks are called, because it's the little, the mini Buckies. Did you did you get to stop at that one? No, is that off of it's right off, No, no, yes, right. It's on the west side of town, so you would probably have turned north to go to the high school before that. Yeah, okay. It's on the west side over there. Okay, so did not stop, but was at Giddings High School. Okay, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you give us the details on that coming up in our flex segment in the next hour uh, when we t- talk some high school. Uh, basketball playoff. It is a Sweet 16 Elite Eight regional weekend on the girls' side. And on the boys' side, it is area round, which is what uh, Cam was doing last night with the uh, Brian Rudder LBJ game. So uh, we'll uh, we'll give you all the details on that coming up. Uh, coming up uh, this morning at the bottom of the hour of our Longhorn Notebook, 
Uh, part of the Longhorn Notebook will be none other than Bruce Burke, uh, Texas men's tennis coach. And uh, they've got the matchup with Texas A&M this weekend. Uh, Longhorn's coming off a second-place finish at the ITA National Indoor Championship, and then they go back to the outdoor courts with the big uh, matchup with Texas A&M coming up on Sunday. So we'll visit with him about that. Of course, this is a huge weekend uh, across the board, whether you're talking about uh, you know basketball, men's and women's basketball for Texas, both with uh, games that have so much in the way of, at the very least, driver's seat, if not complete Big 12 title implications for both the men and women. There's Longhorn Baseball. <laughs> they open a uh, three-game weekend series with the Indiana Hoosiers uh, this evening at UFC Dish Fog Field. It will be on the air at 615, 630 the first pitch. Ty Harrington will join me uh, for the call of that one. In fact, Texas State also with a very busy weekend. The Bobcat men's basketball team and the Texas State women's basketball team finish, conclude, wrap up their regular seasons tonight. They're done after tonight for the regular season. Uh, the men will play at home against Southern Miss. Uh, the women still have an outside shot at winning, at the very least, a share and maybe outright Sunbelt Conference title. They're on the road. They play at Arkansas State. They've already won 20 ball games. Interay Antoine's done a heck of a job there this year, so the Bobcat women have a chance to win, at the very least, a share of, if not the outright, Sunbelt title. And uh, they probably need a win to get that double bye for the conference tournament. The conference tournament for the Sun Belt begins Tuesday. This is um, that we are now on the precipice. We're on the cusp of championship week leading into March Madness. And for the mid-major conferences, and, and in, in large measure, the one-bid leagues, uh, it actually starts this coming week. So, and that includes the Sun Belt. Uh, starting on Tuesday, so it's a uh, it's an important night for them. Texas State baseball uh, in action home. They're trying to add on to that uh, power packed three and and0 start where they were just bashing the ball park ball all over the park against Northwestern. They have the Golden Eagles of Oral Roberts in this weekend, so it's a very busy weekend uh, all the way around for Texas men's and women's athletics. Uh, Texas men and women uh, wrapping up uh, uh, yet another conference title. Uh, in swimming and diving, so uh, we'll uh, you know there's there's a lot going on on that. Joined now by my co-host, the pride of Northwest Williamson County, and a proud graduate of Florence High School, as ever. Right, you're, you're always I'm always proud, always, always. Okay. That'll never die. Proud, but very excited that today is the release of Cocaine Bear. Oh man, it's like the Super Bowl of movie releases. See that. See, yeah, yeah, uh, you know him best for his outstanding work at Horns 24-7. Or maybe you know him best the fact that he loves bears. He loves bear stories. Of, what do you say, bears doing people things? Yeah, bears doing human activities. Yeah. Yeah. So, like I, the classic one is I like to picture a bear sitting at his kitchen table. Yeah. The round table with his glasses on doing his taxes. Yeah. yeah. And being just aggravated when he finds out that he's not, not only is he not getting a refund, but he There's, has to... 
He owes the government, owes Uncle Sam a little bit. There's something he, something he thought he was going to be able to use as a deduction, and uh, that's not a deduction, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Stuff like that, yeah. Uh, so, I amuse myself. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, I know you're fired up about that, even though your lovely wife, Tamara, has made it clear that if you're attending— She's out on cocaine. That, that if you plan to attend this movie, and you do, that you will not be attending it— in the company she will not be in your company for that no negative yeah not happening hey do you know uh you mentioned oral roberts i don't want to go too far down the wormhole here the golden eagles yeah the 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 story of is it a story or a legend of oral roberts speaking to the 900 foot jesus and that whole deal about how the founding of the school and whatnot yeah i'm kind of can you know it's i forget how the, the whole thing goes but you know that there's an artist I don't believe he's active anymore. That named himself basically after the premise of the Oral Roberts tale and named himself MC Nine Hundred Foot Jesus. No, mm-hmm. really? Mm-hmm. I I did not know that. I did not know that. Had a hit back in the day with "If I Only Had a Brain." If you uh, if you're a Beavis and Butthead fan, you remember the. Uh, if I only had a brain, you mean like the Scarecrow and the Wizard of Oz? If I only had like a brain. That. Something like that. Because that's where that came from, 1939. I originally. believe the first line of the song is, if I only had my S together. Oh, okay. That wasn't in The Wizard of Oz. That no. part was not in The Wizard of Oz. But the Scarecrow says, if I only had a brain. Uh, that kind of, I did not know that. You know, that that would have been a good cue. Cameron, I was just even find an instrumental of that. Mm. Uh, if I only had a brain by MC9 for Jesus. Just the instrumental. Yeah. It's it's catchy. It'll be in your head the rest of the day. Yeah. It's, it's good stuff. Yeah. Is it by Sting? Not by Sting. Not by Sting the artist or Sting hanging out in the rafters of the baseball bat. No. Be, if I yeah. only had a brain by MC nine hundred for Jesus. Um uh yeah, they you know, I uh I I don't think yeah, it co opted the same thing the same <laughs> thought process on that. This would have been a good time that to, to have on our, our good friend, my um engineer uh, for Longhorn men's basketball on the road, and uh, former play-by-play voice of the Dallas Cowboys, uh, David Garrett, because Dave not only is a former voice of the Cowboys and a former voice of the New Orleans Saints and Oklahoma State Cowboys, he also is a former play-by-play voice of the Oral Roberts Golden Eagles. I remember that. Cam, can you give us that instrumental, please? I just wanted Craig to hear a little bit of this. Okay. If, if you're a Beavis and Butthead fan, you remember this vividly. You know what? I think I'm going to incorporate this for a bump back for baseball. Yeah. For long bay, long run baseball. Oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think we're going to. I think we're going to use that. Just make sure the lyrics aren't included. Yeah, it's got to be the instrumental. I understand that. Yeah. I like that. Okay. Yeah. Good yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's a good idea. Glad I can I think I'm going to do that. Glad I can let you know about that, Craig. You can drop that into the rotation. Absolutely. What I started to tell you about Dave Garwin, he was he he knows a lot about that whole deal, the whole Oral Roberts thing. And and I went to when he was doing Oral Roberts, uh, I went over to Tulsa one time. Texas had an afternoon game against Oklahoma State in Stillwater, and I believe it was the day of. Uh, the James Thomas, T.J. Ford, oh, the baseline collision yeah, thing. So that, that was an afternoon game. Spring of 02. Yep. Yeah. So, in fact, I know that was it because uh, I think at that was at the time that the day was doing Oral Roberts play-by-play. And uh, that was the day, uh, obviously, when they had when T.J. Ford was trying to get the ball and spilled out of bounds and 
a fan put his hands on TJ's throat. The alleged alleged that TJ landed on his pregnant wife. Yeah, or something like that. and James Thomas went in there with flying haymakers. Uh, well, if you talk about Longhorn athletes who are not to be trifled with, that's James, one. James Thomas is pretty high up on that list. Yeah, and the next year when they went back, the final four year, the o two o three year, uh, the wife who had 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 her baby by then, mm-hmm. uh, they had made a request to Oklahoma State. They wanted to quote unquote make amends with TJ. Okay, so they set up this meeting and. You know, when Scott McConnell walks him in there, and TJ's kind of like, "It's all good." It's no one, and the guy, the guy and the wife comes up, very nice, and has the little the little baby and all that with him, and she's like, she's like nudging him, like, "Go on, like say what you're doing." I'm really sorry, I shouldn't have done that. Go on, and 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 I realize you didn't really mean to do it, and she was she was controlling the whole deal on that, but at the time. Dave was doing the play-by-play for Will Roberts. So after that game that day, uh, and uh, I had made plans on this in advance uh, to go drive over the 70 miles over to Tulsa, uh, ORU was playing that night. Mm-hmm. It was a big game in the Summit League. I, uh, I think they were playing uh, Western Illinois or somebody. It was an important game. And so I go over to uh, go over there and uh, sit with him and, and – uh, and it was, I had been in the Maybe Center, there were a home arena, one time. And it was the very first game that I ever was the color analyst for with Bill Schoening in the 1992 93 season. Texas actually opened the season in Tulsa at Oral Roberts. Oh, what a weird schedule that and, was. And, and if you look it up, the, 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 the final score was just, it, it was through the roof. It was like a one. I want to say it was almost like a 127, 120 or something like that. It was a real high scoring game. You got to remember when, when Tom Penders was coaching, Texas played, they played some road games in some unusual. They went to Nacogdoches and played Stephen F. Austin. They went to Beaumont and played Lamar. Uh, they you know, There were some road games in some places that they probably wouldn't be traveling much to this year. So it was, it was the very first game. So I'd been to that arena one time, but it had been a long time since. So I'd gone back there. And and Dave was telling me all the different uh, things that they did for that arena because that was basically the pulpit. Mm-hmm. That's where you know uh, Doctor Roberts would deliver his his sermons and things like that, and the television show would be on. And he showed back, he, and and he pointed out where where the basketball court was laid. It was over top of a stage with like a retractable orchestra pit type thing. And he would rise up on the stage in the morning, on Sunday mornings, to deliver his message. It would like bring him out of the floor. Was it, it kind of like the stage, at the, the old stage at UT Arlington? Yeah, kind of like that. Except mm-hmm. the, the one at UT Arlington had the orchestra pit in front. This was one where it was laid flat over the top, and the stage would just rise right up in the center, you. and he would rise up there. I'll be damned, Craig. Your memory is spot on. What was the final? That De- Tuesday, December 1st, 1992, Texas at Oral Roberts. Yeah. Longhorn's got to win 136-97. to 97. Okay, I wasn't quite. I said 127 or something, yeah. But I knew it was a real high-scoring game, yeah. 136-97. High-scoring game uh, <laughs> in that one. Not a memorable year for Longhorn basketball. Nope, nope. Uh, what, what, 10 and 18, I 11 think? 11 and 17. 4-10 <laughs> yep. in the Southwest Conference. Yeah, it was it was rough. Uh, they'd had injuries and then just didn't play that well, and uh, yeah, it was a it was a tough year uh, that year. So anyway, that 
uh, that it, those were some things that, that come to mind about that back then. Uh, things have changed. A lot of things have, have changed, uh, including the fact that uh, this, this Texas basketball team is certainly in the thick of the fight for a Big 12 Conference regular season title, as are the Texas women. Uh, they play in Norman tomorrow afternoon at OU. The two teams are tied for first place. So the winner is going to have a huge advantage, especially if Texas wins, because they will have swept the regular season series. Uh, there are two games remaining after that, but the winner will at least have the inside track to winning the Big 12 Conference regular season title. Uh, that's tomorrow afternoon on 105.3 The Bat, uh, 12.45 of the airtime, 1 o'clock to tip off. Roger Wallace and uh, Kathy Harston at the call of that one uh, tomorrow. By the way, the NCAA Tournament Women's Selection Committee came out with its second reveal last night, and the Longhorns went from, in the first reveal, of being the lowest number three seed to last night being the highest number four seed. That's what the loss to Iowa State did, but they still are in the top 16. They're the number 13 overall seed, and, of course, the importance of that, finishing the top 16 in the tournament selection committee's estimation, and you're going to be at home for the first weekend of the tournament. Interestingly enough, even though Oklahoma is ranked ahead of Texas in the AP poll, the Sooners were not in that top 16. I think the winner of that game for sure is going to wind up in the top 16. Loser, I don't know. Yep. But the winner for sure would do that. So that's a, that's the other reasons why it's such an important game tomorrow. Uh, you going to be over at the ballpark tonight? Uh, yes, I yeah. will. Uh, for yeah. the uh, matchup with the Indiana Hoosiers, first of the weekend series. Folks may remember Indiana was here five years ago in 18 <laughs> – in some ways, it seems like it was, you know, five months ago. In I know. some ways, it seems like it was fifteen years ago. Yeah, yeah, that was. And and folks may forget about that. They may not remember that because what is probably more memorable, memorable to folks' minds is Texas A and M was in that regional, and that was the regional where um, you had Cody Clemens uh, against. Uh, Texas A&M get the big home run against the Aggies and and uh, in the Saturday night uh, winner's bracket mm-hmm. game. Yeah. And then the next day in elimination game, Indiana jumped to like a 9 nothing lead and then had to hold on but eliminated A&M. So there was no rematch between the Longhorns and Aggies. And, and Texas was in a fight that night with Indiana. Had they lost, they would have played one more game. There would have been an if-necessary game, but the Longhorns won that game. To uh, go on to the supers. Yeah, I was. I asked David Pierce about this yesterday because you know non-conference scheduling can be tough, especially you know if, if mm-hmm. you look at what Texas did last year, and I think you know Coach Pierce going into the year knew he had a team that not only was capable of getting to Omaha, but I think we all agree in preseason, especially before the Tanner Witt injury, he felt like that team had the goods to maybe be the last team standing mm-hmm. at the end of the deal. Yep. So you you adjust your schedule accordingly, but this year obviously with a younger team. You can look at the non-conference schedule, and you know you've got the series with Manhattan, and you've got one with New Orleans, and then you're trying to fill it in. And I asked him, you know, because the northern schools, you know, schools from the Midwest, schools from the Northeast, Big Ten schools, Big East schools, they're more than willing to come down here and play. But if you're Texas, especially since those are going to be home games, you've got to be very careful in terms of managing your RPI and making sure your RPI puts you in a position to host at the end yep. of the year. And he said, that's exactly spot on. He said, that's the challenge. He said, so basically what they do if they're going to schedule a team like Indiana, they basically kind of look at a what's their RPI been for the last three years. And he said, if we're going to play somebody from the Midwest or the Northeast and have them come down, 
He said, if we want to do it for a you know a weekend series, he said we really want it to be somebody from you know like a Big Ten, like a Power Five conference, mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, their RPI is probably going to be where you want it to be, where you need it to be to make your resume look better when it comes time for, for, for selections. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this uh, is a pretty solid Indiana program coming in here. Yep. So uh, so the three-game weekend series there uh, between the two. We have uh, uh, the Specs text line open at 337-3776, 337-3776. Somebody asked, said, will there be an in- arena radio feed tomorrow in Waco? There's no radio affiliate listed for Waco. That's because there isn't an affiliate in Waco <laughs> for basketball. There's for football, but not for fa- basketball. Uh, unfortunately, the answer is no because – what we would normally use for that, uh, the equipment that we can't because the equipment that was ordered to do the ballpark frequency arrived from the manufacturer broken and had to be shipped back. So we have to use what's normal on the road because we have to have our on-field communications for baseball. So there won't be one tomorrow. I'm sorry to tell you about that. Uh Jeff uh, Jeff Mudd on the Specs text line says Tuesdays are for tomato cans. Not anymore. <laughs> Not this coming Tuesday. <laughs> can't, yeah, got LSU coming in. Can't do it anymore. There's just too much. There's too much at stake with what Jeff just outlined uh, with the RPI. Yeah, you'll you'll have a few buy games in there, just uh, like A and M Corpus. Yeah, you'll have that Incarnate Word. Yeah, there's there's some of that, but you better balance it with some good ones. That was part of the reason why. Um, Texas played several in-state opponents on the road last year. Yeah, that was highly unusual. They played the two games down in Corpus, and they played in Corpus before, but to play in Huntsville at Sam Houston State, and then they have the home and home with Texas State. So there's a road game mixed in there. I, I love that, by the way. Yeah, and it's coming again this year. It's a Monday Tuesday this year, so um, you know that. That's good, and, and by the way, that's a good RPI game for Texas, uh, given how Texas State is. So you've got to mix in some of that along with, uh, as Jeff would call it, the tomato cans. Not you, Jeff. Yeah, Jeff Mudd. Yeah. Uh, so you got LSU coming up on Tuesday. Fast forward a little bit. Uh, you've got the midweek with A and M at the end of March. That's not a tomato can. Yeah. Uh, you know, Air Force is one of those things. I yeah. I figure as long as Coach Pierce is still in his current position. That might be one that they just keep on the schedule because that seemed to work out really well yep. for both sides. Uh, coming off of Easter, that's when you've got the double midweek home and home with Texas State, which is usually you know that's a pretty solid deal. Mm. Uh, you know UTA, and so yeah, you, you kind of sprinkle you yeah, mix it's it sprinkled in there, in there with with that. Uh, D Fry says on the text line, "Damn quote, damn honey, mean I have to go spend two to three hours by myself to see this movie at Alamo Draft House, drinking beer and eating." Okay, I respect your decision. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, uh, somebody pointed out, and right, I sit on the west side, uh, Cam of uh, uh, of Giddings. It's on the east side. That's why you wouldn't see it. I, I always think about it because I stop there coming back west a lot of times when I stop there. And uh, but it's on the east side, past seventy seven, and that's where you turn up to go to the Giddings Gym, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Um, so anyway, so um, how does Craig remember so much detail? Uh, it's both a blessing and a curse. I can tell you that. Uh, when was the last time the women won the Big Twelve regular season, not the tournament? Uh, Two thousand four. They won back-to-back regular season titles in 03 and 04. And in 04, they shared the title, I think, with Kansas State. 03, they won it and won the conference tournament. In 04, 
They, you know, they won both of them that year. Before they won the regular season, they were the one seed, even though they shared the title with K-State, got to the final, played a six-seed OU, and got ambushed in the final. And, and that was the first time on either the men's or women's side that a team played four consecutive games and won all four games. Still hadn't happened on the men's side. Haven't had a team win four straight days on the men's side. On the women's side, it's happened, I think, twice. And I know it, uh, and, and that was the first time in 04 uh, when Oklahoma won that one. So, yeah. Um, so, uh, <laughs> Longhorn Bear said, yeah. Wow, a $16 ticket for Indiana for a weekend game will be 150 bucks on Tuesday night. Hey, I got a lot of those. Um, G-E-A-U-X, go Tiger fans who will be in Round Rock yeah. this weekend at Dell Diamond for them playing. So, anyway. All right, uh, there's some things here. When we come back, we have our Longhorn Notebook. We're going to visit with uh, Bruce Burke, Texas men's tennis coach. We've got some other notes we'll get to when we continue with Light the Tower. On the Horn, 104.9, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Craig Webb and Jeff Howe light the tower. This is Light the Tower on the Horn. Craig Wade, Jeff Howe with you. And uh, really glad as we get set to plow into the weekend, it brings us to our first Longhorn Notebook of the Hour. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. It's a Longhorn Notebook brought to you by Aaron Bowersock, your home loan expert, your Longhorn lender. See if she can do for you what she did for Linda and me, and that was to get that home loan approval turned around in a snap. She is, after all, the person who can make that 10-day home loan approval a guarantee. Check her out on the web at bowersockteam.com. That's just like it's spelled, B-O-W-E-R-S-O-C-K, bowersockteam.com. Uh, we mentioned the busy weekend that's going on for University of Texas Athletics. Uh, Longhorn Baseball opening a series tonight. Texas men up the road in Waco to play Baylor tomorrow. Texas women on the road. Uh, they are uh, up in um, Norman, Oklahoma to play OU. Big 12 men's and women's swimming and diving continue with the Big 12 championship. Also, Texas men's tennis is coming off an appearance in the final of the ITA National Indoors Championship, their first ever in program history. And uh, they have uh, those old rivals uh, from just the east, Texas A&M, coming in on Sunday afternoon. Very pleased to be joined on the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline uh, by the head coach, Bruce Burke, who's with us. Bruce, I appreciate the time. How are you today? I'm doing great, and it's always always appreciated when I get the opportunity to talk all things Texas men's tennis. And and uh, you are all things Texas men's tennis, so I'm glad to do that. I, I, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. Um, you avenged the earlier loss to Ohio State, and uh, and also uh, you know it, it, here was the team that eliminated you from the from the tournament with Michigan, and uh, where you had been 
uh, earlier. And then, of course, you beat number nine, Wake Forest, in that ITA National Indoor Championship. So uh, how pleased were you to see the totality? I know you wanted to get to, to get the win and went up against a really good TCU team in the final. But how about your thoughts on uh, the, the total performance at the ITA Indoors? Yeah, for sure. When looking back on it, I'd be uh, stupid if I was anything other than really thrilled and really happy with the way the guys performed, the results they got, and, and just the way they carried themselves and competed. Because, uh, you know, winning matches at that tournament is, if anything, it's even tougher than winning matches at the NCAA tournament because there's no wild, there's no wild cards or conference automatics. You know, everyone pretty much earns their way into it. So, you know, we beat two top five teams in the country, probably the two best indoor teams in the country. Um, and, uh, you know, we could, I couldn't have asked for much more than that. Well, and, and obviously you wound up with the, uh, the most outstanding player, Elliot Spirisi, who is the, uh, uh, Spaziri, who's the number one ranked singles player and your first in eight years. Uh, how is, how is he, uh, adjusted to that uh, that number one ranking we understand how how rankings can shape a person's mindset when they go into a, a specific match either determination or or however what's been your take on seeing Elliot since uh going rising to the number one spot yeah I think that's a really good question because I've I've been fortunate enough to um, be able to have coached a handful of guys that reached that pinnacle in, in the rankings and it doesn't usually go well right away, you know, because um, you're, you're the hunted and some of the guys feel like they're playing with the weight of the world on their shoulders trying to protect something. But, you know, so I was interested to see how Elliot would handle it. And uh, he's handled it about as well as he's handled just about every other challenge that's been thrown his way. And there's been a lot of challenges thrown his way. So he's he's continued to have a growth mindset. He's continued to compete and try to earn everything he gets. He doesn't try to protect himself or protect his ranking. And uh, he's just playing hard and fighting to win matches for Texas. And I've, I've been uh, super impressed with the way he's handled it so far. For folks who don't know, Elliot Spaziri is, is a, he's a junior and uh, from Greenwich, Connecticut. And uh, we, we've talked about how in the past, I know, uh, Bruce, when you get guys from a lot of different places, sometimes uh, even uh, beyond the boundaries of the United States of America, but but even inside uh, the contiguous 48, there's there's an adjustment for guys sometimes if they haven't been in the state of Texas. Now he's a, he's a junior by now. Uh, does do you get the um, uh, you know the 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 vibe from your guys both internationally and the national guys? How much they enjoy being in Austin, Texas? Is that a big part of? Uh, it's always a big part of recruiting, but is it is it a big part for their enjoyment of what they're seeing uh, when they are student athletes on campus? Yeah, I think they love it. I really do. And the, Elliot's got his cowboy boots, and uh, so he's he's at all you know they're all at all the other sporting events and basketball and football and supporting the other athletes and the other in the various sports, and he 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 loves it and. Uh, you know, I think most of our guys really enjoy being here. They'd be crazy not to, to be honest. I'd love to have had the opportunity to be a student athlete at Texas. So, yeah, no, it's a great vibe. Uh, the culture is really strong right now. And um, it's fun for me to be able to, you know, be part of what turns out to be some of the best four years of their lives and just kind of to relive that experience with them each each uh, each turnaround of, of a new student athlete. It's a, it's a big, big, uh, big enjoyment for me, really. Bruce, here's a question I've been wanting to ask you, uh, even going back to last year when we were talking, uh, you know, a performance in an indoor event and then there's an outdoor event. 
do you notice the story and, and, and can you discuss what specific if there are uh, strategy changes and nothing else because the court surface for your guys when they're playing in an indoor event as opposed to an outdoor and some teams quite frankly are just better uh, indoor teams than outdoor teams for whatever reasons yeah. but uh, how about the nuances of of being in an indoor event as opposed to outdoors yeah I think that Indoor courts are typically faster, meaning um, when the ball hits the ground, it doesn't bounce up as high. It kind of skids a little more and stays low. Um, and it's just it's so that's one big difference. So that's just getting that's just getting used to the bounce of the ball. And teams that are more used to that seem to do better. Um, and then the other thing is that favor the conditions are really clean, so your your weaknesses can be hidden a little easier. It's harder to expose somebody's weaknesses because the serves tend to be coming in faster, the points are shorter, um, the balls bounce lower, so it's hard to get at people's weaknesses as much. So it favors bigger guys who come forward to the net a lot and finish points quickly, and it's harder for the guys that have to develop points and kind of use a little more strategy and, and fitness. So um, that that's the intricacies of it. And you know, so when we play Michigan and Ohio State, and they're They've got, you know, if you look at them and when they're getting off the bus, it probably looks like they're a basketball team, you know, um, big, big guys who have a lot of power. And so for us to, you know, to do as well as we did against them um, was a great accomplishment, really. But, yeah, there are some differences. I think it's just easier to hide your weaknesses indoors and uh, the ball stays lower. So it's uh, it favors more strike zone players who like the ball down low in their strike zone. I would imagine also when you have an event and you've had them before where it's scheduled as an outdoor event, and then you have inclement weather move in, rain, cold weather, and you have to move it indoors, there's some mental adjustment that has to go on, isn't there? Because you've got guys yep. who, who are better outdoor players than indoor players and vice versa. Yeah, I think I think so. It probably depends a little bit on the surface because some indoor courts are – most of the indoor courts that you'll find in the Midwest or the Northeast are fast. Um, like ours, for instance, are not. You know, Ours are very similar to – um, what we have outside, so the court surface is, is pretty fair. But, yeah, there's definitely some differences. To, it, to be fair, the tougher change, honestly, for people is to be, if they're used to playing indoors all the time and all of a sudden they have to come this way and play outdoors with no outdoor practice, that's a tougher adjustment um, because now you've got the wind, you've got the sun, sometimes you've got the heat, you know, the ball's bouncing up when you're not used to it. So um, I think that change is, it's harder to feel good with that change. The problem we face isn't that we don't feel good when we go indoors. It's just that the other teams play so much better, you know, so much bigger. Visiting with Bruce Burke, Texas men's tennis coach here on Light the Tower. Okay, so Texas A&M is coming in, and even though um, they're ranked 40th in the computer, it's the first week of the season that the computer rankings out, but the human poll, they've been in the 23 to 25 range uh, most of the season. What's your take on the Aggies when you examine them? Yeah, there's no doubt that they're a top 20, top 25 team. Like you said, this is the first computer ranking, and um, – there's just not enough results in the computer. I think A&M's actually only played five matches so far, which is really unusual at this stage in the season. We've played 12 already, so they just don't have enough data to really be reflected accurately in their in their team ranking. So they're they're a tough team. I think they're better than last year's team. And last year's team, um, we played them in College Station and barely, barely beat them. We escaped with our lives, and it was a 4-3 match that came down to the wire. So, you know, I expect a real battle um this time i think they're they're a very strong team 
and uh, with some good experienced players and some great coaches. And in fact, their head coach, Steve Denton was one of the best players who ever played at UT. So um, mm-hmm. he's definitely, you know, and of course, anytime you're playing Texas and Texas A&M in any sport, it's going to be a battle. So we're we're looking forward to that, and we're really hoping that we can get a big crowd out there to come support us. You know, that's the other thing I've always noticed about it. Doesn't really seem to matter the sport, the athletic endeavor. Uh, the student athletes in Texas are really fired up for Texas A&M, which is probably a good thing, isn't it, Bruce? That you have a rivalry matchup like that since the next match is the number one team in the country on the road at TCU. And if it was somebody who wasn't a rival, there might be the tendency for some guys to naturally think about that huge matchup on the road at the number one team in the country the next week. But it's A&M, so that takes care of itself. Yeah, I think so. And and also, that's really been one of the goals we've had for this year is to try as best we can to treat every match the same because the margins are so thin and in, in all sports at this level, but definitely in college tennis that um, really if you're a little bit off your mental game, you can get beaten. And we don't play, you know, if you look at our schedule, we've played 12 matches right now and 11 of them, if, if you count the human polls, you said with A&M have been against top 25 teams. Um so far so our schedule's been brutal and we just we just can't and it and it stays that way you know we just got done with the national indoors and i might have been smarter to schedule a little break in here but i didn't and and now we're going a and m um at home then tcu on the road and then stanford on the road so um you know we'll play usc later in the season too and then that's all before we start to knock the uh conference season so yeah if we're if we're not treating every match the same at this point in the year then uh we're in, we're in for a world of hurt. So, but yeah, like you said, A and M at home with the crowd. I think our guys will be fired up and and uh, they'll they'll be ready to go. It'll be the last chance for folks to see uh, Texas tennis at home until March 14th when they host North Carolina State because of the two matchups that Bruce just mentioned uh, at TCU and at Stanford following. So it's Sunday afternoon, 3 o'clock, Texas Tennis Center, Texas against Texas A&M. It's Longhorns and Aggies. That's reason enough. Bruce, as always, I appreciate you taking the time to visit with us. Uh, Best of luck this weekend, and we'll do it again. We'll visit some more this season. Sounds great. Thanks for the opportunity. You bet. All right, that's Bruce Burke, Texas tennis coach. And again, Aggies in town on Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock for that one. And uh, then they go to Fort Worth, and then they go to Stanford before they come back for NC State. That's three consecutive ranked opponents, including TCU, who holds the number one ranking since they've won that indoor event, beating Texas in the final. So it's there. Um, uh, Other uh, Longhorn notebook-related things. Uh, uh, Next hour, uh, we're going to hear from Roddy Terry uh, talking about uh the the this matchup with uh with Baylor and uh, what they'll be encountering there but but we know Jeff based on uh, what we saw in the first matchup and what we've known about Baylor uh where the meat and potatoes of this Baylor team is it's in the backcourt with Adam Flagler yep. and LJ Cryer and Keontae George and you know it, it's funny I mentioned we were talking about balance last night before we even got to talking about Baylor and we were talking about balance and how deep the Longhorns are. Baylor has several players. They don't go as deep into their bench as the Longhorns do. Uh, but I was talking about the balance in the depth and getting production from different guys. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, every coach would love to have, you know, three guys or five guys that are averaging in the 15-point-per-game range. I said, but that doesn't happen often. Well, it does with Baylor. 
Because Adam Flagler's averaging 16 points a game. L.J. Cryer's averaging 15, and Keontae George is averaging 17. So the three of them combined are averaging 16 points per game apiece. They're getting 48 points per game out of those three guys. So that that in itself says a lot about the, the challenge Baylor presents. The X factor for me is Jonathan Chamuchachua. Well, that's that's where it was going to go with yeah, that later, later. JTT, or as, as uh, Rodney likes to say, uh, he he was quoting uh, Fran Frischella, uh "Everyday John, <laughs> <laughs> Everyday John," because because he, he's back and he comes off a double double. Because you know, I, I, if you're Baylor, like you kind of know what you're going to get on a flow thamba for better yep. or for worse. Uh, you know, Jalen Bridges has shown at times this year that he can he can be a guy, but we've seen him at times where he might just kind of fall back a little bit and disappear. Dale Bonner off the bench? Yeah. Uh, so, Chama Chachwa, he completely changes the complexion of their front court. And uh, Texas fans will remember he got hurt in the game in Waco last year. Pretty serious knee injury. Yeah. Didn't expect him to be back as early as he was. You f- I figured probably maybe like Big 12 tournament time they might start working him back in. But speedy recovery good to see him back on the floor probably for texas fans every day except tomorrow but uh he'll be out there and again from a toughness factor on the glass that's a big one for me is on the glass because especially with this texas team having some confidence i think coming off of one of their best offensive rebounding games of the year against iowa state you won the physicality battle in that game you you know you've got to do a lot of those same things you did on tuesday a lot of that stuff's got to carry over to waco tomorrow if you want to win yeah Oh, oh by the way i found out one other thing about him since he's returned uh, it has been discovered that of his three names, the last name has a short A sound. It's Jonathan Chamwa Chachua. Chachua. Chachua, like you're in an online chat. Chachua. Chachua. Found that out gotta, as well. Got to make sure I note that and change that in the, the uh, future. Well, when he first came in, and I remember talking to John Morris about this, when I went up to do a Westwood One broadcast when Kansas played Baylor, when, when I first came in, we were told it was Jonathan Chamwa Chachua. And then we thought, no. Then we found out later, no, he it's it's Chachua. So we went by that's Chachua. That's what I've been going Yeah, on. well, that's what everybody been. And then in the, this year we found out it's actually Chachua. Is it offensive if I call Flo Thamba the dime store Mo Bamba? Flo Thamba the dime store Mo Bamba. Are, you, are you going for the Mo rhyme Bamba. there? No, there? he's just the dime store Mo Bamba. Okay. Like, you know, when... You get like a, you've got Dr. Pepper as your name brand, and then it's like you know Dr. B at H E B, Dr. Thunder or whatever. It's like yeah, it's, yeah. it's not quite the same. Is it Dr. Mr. Thund- Pib? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's I've seen Dr. Thunder. Dr. B is the H E B brand. Is Dr. Thunder like the Walmart brand? Maybe. Yes. I yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. I think know, that's you know it. what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's it's it can get the job done. It's just not as reliable, as sturdy, as good as the name brand. You know, the miss the missus <laughs> is a real big. Uh, H-E-B shopper. Waiting for the text from CB to tell us yeah. how much he misses Dr. B in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, really. Uh, uh, Linda's a real big uh, H-E-B shopper. and she we all? Yeah, and loves a lot of the H-E-B brands. She does not go for the Dr. B. And she, <laughs> and, and that she's an avowed Dr. Pepper drinker. But she loves, as I do, the H-E-B original cola. Because it does taste a lot like Coca Cola. Actually, it's not as syrupy as Coca Cola to me. Okay, so you like brand. it then? Yeah. yeah. But the but she's not on board with the with the Doctor B. She likes she likes the regular Doctor Pepper, but she'll go for the H E B Cola. Um, okay. The you know the, the you know what's an underrated item at H E B like of their, their brands? What's it? Hill Country Fair bread. Yeah, yeah. They're like my thumb their nose at it. Mm-mm. 
it's like kind of a little bit thin, and you can smash your sandwich together. It's, mm-hmm. I like it. It's all right. You're I like, okay. Oh, I'm I'm a big fan of Hill Country. I haven't had it in a minute because my wife's been buying like the honey wheat or something. Yep. I don't know. You know, you know what else is good? Like for a one day thing, if you're like say spaghetti and meatballs is the fair or something like that right. or whatever it is. You know, they do that dollar bread thing. We can go over in the bakery section. Oh and yeah, yeah. Bread, you get bread you, get for a dollar. Get the yellow coupon. Yeah, go get you some bread. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You don't even have to do the 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 coupon thing. Oh really? It's just there. It's the dollar bread. A couponless, a couponless yeah. transaction. <laughs> that's, that's right. At H-E-B. Uh, uh, <laughs> CB says Team Doctor B. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, there we go. All right. Uh, and hey, uh, Tom reminds us. This is thanks for giving UT tennis the time it deserves. I uh, uh, greatly appreciate it. UT baseball fans can walk over to the tennis center after a baseball game on Sunday. Absolutely, uh, you know. So with a one o'clock game, you could walk over and see the end of that afterwards. All right. Uh, coming up next, we have inconceivable. It's on Friday. We know what Friday means, right? We 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 do know what Friday means. We go to the most flaccid state. In the lower 48, and we grab that low-hanging fruit from the state of Florida on a Friday. We could do it every day of the week, but we save it for the end of the week. Well, as if on cue, last night, Lynn and I were watching the Mavericks and the Spurs. And, you know, you know, uh, other than Luca, Luca's the universal answer for Maverick fans about who your favorite player is. But, but other than that, her favorite player mm-hmm. uh, is uh, Reggie Bullock. And she calls him unicorn because, you know, because of his hair, his unusual hairstyle. Yeah. And sometimes it sticks out like a unicorn horn. Well, last night it was kind of on the side of the head and it was drooping. She goes, she said, one of his one of his locks over there, one of them is flaccid. <laughs> and I looked at her and I said, did you, because we're coming up on uh, Florida Friday, is that why you said that? And she started laughing. Flaccidity running amok. Yeah, it was there yeah, on the You know thing. why Reggie Bullock does that, right? The, the two different colored locks. I don't know why the different colors. In it's it. for his, his two sisters. Who That's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. I remember yeah. that story that she yeah. mentioned that. She really likes him. She calls him unicorn. But that's, she you know, him. nice player, but it's really, yeah. uh, you know, that's not an answer you hear. Who's your favorite Mavericks player? Reggie Bullock. Not the name that's no. top of Well, mind, Luca but, is always at the top of the well, list. Yeah. But they didn't have to. And they hammered the feckless Spurs last night. Uh, with uh, with uh, Luca and uh, Kyrie Irving playing together for the first it's kinda time. It's kind of like, who's your who's your favorite Mavericks player? Dirk doesn't count. Well, okay, I don't really got to think about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha, okay. Mine would be Hardaway. I like I like Tim Hardaway Jr. Boy, when they blew the game open, it was an 89-80 game late third quarter, and then they outscored him like 30-10 to 10 after that, and Hardaway had three threes in that time. And my answer to that question is no longer on the roster. That would have been one Dorian Finney-Smith. You were a Dorian Finney-Smith DFS, guy. I know that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, up next is Inconceivable when we continue with Light the Tower. On the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. Live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Inconceivable. 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 You keep using the Horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. It's very rare, Craig. I have something like a Uve Blob story to share with you, but I'm glad I got to do that during the break. Yeah, because somebody said their favorite Maverick was Uve Blob. Now I share something with you about Uve Blob. Yeah. <clears throat> there was a time when Uve, who I believe was the 16th overall pick, 17th, 17th, and the 80. That's right. The Mavericks had what the eighth, 16th, and 17th. They had a lot. It seems like they had like nine picks in that draft. Yes. Well, that was the year. Uh, they could have had, could have had Carl Malone, A.C. Green, 
and Warren Joe Dumars. Dumars yes. Carmelo and Joe Dumars and A.C. Green. And they got Detlef Schrempf, Bill Wennington, and Uwe Blop. I'll Mystified never forget that. that much. Never forget that. Never forget that. Uh, so, uh, but Uwe uh, played in Indiana, as we know. Mm-hmm. And while he was there, at one point, there were three guys who shared a dorm suite together. Uwe Blob, uh, Dan Dockage, who of course went on in TV and radio commentary, and Roger Wallace. I did okay. I knew college roommates. I knew Roger and Dan Dockett's roommates. I didn't know Uwe Blob was part of that. And at least the last time I checked, I don't know if it's still the case. Uwe was living in Wimberley. Really? Yep. 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 That is wild. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So, uh, the, but I, I don't know if that's still the case or not. But uh, as inconceivable as that may sound. By the way, speaking of that hypothetical Mavericks draft, you realize Carl yep. Malone's pretty close to getting canceled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, went I've down, seen went that. Went down a wormhole on that yesterday. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that as well. Okay, so uh, we'll start it off with, uh, this is some rather unfortunate news. Um, the headline starts with the words, thrill-seeking Oklahoma mom. Boy, that's not going to do. Uh, yeah. This isn't ending well. Oklahoma mother of two was in a skydiving uh, situation, and she had um, done it before. She did a self-described uh, thrill seeker, and and this was over near Salisaw, over in the eastern side of the state, home of the Salisaw Black Diamonds, by the way. The, um, Look at him go. Uh, so it was last Saturday, and she was skydiving and what was described as a freak solo skydiving accident. Oh, no. Something you never want to be involved oh, in. Oh, no. Got stuck in a spin. Oh. 44 years of age and plunges to her death, as it says on Freak Skydive. I like that episode of Fresh Prince where Hillary's fiance was going to propose during skydiving and he had... A similar accident. Yeah. 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 One of the one of those things. Um okay. I have not one, not two, but three lottery based stories for you. Okay. You love the lottery winners or well, lottery controversies. I, I do. First of all, you have a guy who won a one point three five billion dollar lottery in Maine. All right. How um, much? One million three hundred fifty thousand dollars. Okay. Uh, one billion. Okay, one billion. Yeah. B billion. Okay. Yeah, yeah. One point three five billion. Uh, how much mega jackpot would buy you? Uh, the winner did claim the prize, but did not show up in purpose uh, in person to do it. Uh, they worked it through a limited liability company, an investment firm. They stepped forward with the ticket to claim the deal. Uh, went cash option. Which I know is your method that's, of choice. That's how I'm rolling. When the day comes that you win the lottery, you're going cash option. Cash option. All right. No so question. this is 1.35 billion cash option. You're only getting 723 million, only. 564,144 before taxes too. Just letting you know. So you end up with what? Probably about, let's say about half a billion, some somewhere in the neighborhood. Maybe less. Maybe 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 400 million. Oh darn. 
You're going to have to make do with only four hundred million probably after taxes when all is said and done. There, just just making you aware of that. Okay, so that one happened. Then um, you have a guy who won the lottery in California, the two billion dollar one recently. Step forward, claimed his prize. Uh, I think he was going cash option as well. Yep, here's the lump sum on that. About half of it, nine hundred ninety-seven million, six hundred thousand. So he's forfeiting, um, you know, uh, uh, over a billion dollars, uh, over a million dollars uh, to, to get. No, over a billion to get it. Yeah. So That's he's fun. only getting nine hundred ninety-seven million. That's fine. I want to enjoy that <laughs> while I'm here to enjoy it. Well, this guy may not be able to enjoy it. <laughs> um, the guy who got it was by the name of Edwin Castro. Another man named Jose Rivera says he's the rightful owner and he's now suing Edwin Castro. And he said, well, how can it be if the guy had the ticket, right? He says, uh, Rivera says he purchased the winning ticket from Joe's Service Center in Altadena. It's in the greater Los Angeles area. The day before the big draw. And then he says the ticket was stolen from him by a man named Reggie. What? And then it was claimed by Castro. He says both Reggie and Castro are responsible. They teamed up together. He named them as defendants in his newly filed litigation. Uh, Rivera says he tried to get his stolen ticket back from Reggie when he realized it was the winning ticket, but Reggie denied it was the winner. Rivera says he refused to be blackmailed, took his complaint straight to the California lottery as well as to local police to sort out the matter. You know what the lottery people said? The California lottery, quote, <clears throat> the California lottery is not authorized to investigate criminal activity among its players. Such allegations are subject to investigation only by local law enforcement. Should a local law enforcement agency investigate such allegations, lottery's only role is to assist in the matter by answering questions and or providing evidence as showed under the law. I'm guessing the LAPD has bigger fish to fry at this point. Yeah, yeah. So the other guy, meanwhile, collected the lump sum, the $997 million. Uh, Rivera's pushing forward his lawsuit and asking the court to grant him the jackpot as well as damages Dude. on this. So I, I want to know, how was it stolen? That, that wasn't that named. Store, that store doesn't pass the smell test. <laughs> yeah, uh, why, why was it stolen? Okay, the third lottery story takes us to Florida. Okay? Um, when you play the lottery, Jeff, you don't go Powerball or you don't go... Mega Millions, you pretty much are a scratch-off dude, right? Didn't yeah, you tell me that? I stick to scratchers for the most part. You know? More and more Floridians are doing it that way as well. Uh, however, for more and more Floridians, the thrill of winning the lottery has become more complicated because when they show up to claim it a lot of times, they're told they owe money to the Florida Department of Economic Opportunity, the state's unemployment office. Hmm. So you got people winning who are unemployed to go to claim it, and then they go in there and you find out that all or most of your money's been sapped away already because you owed the state for unemployment. So uh, one uh, Sarah Magneta said her family does a gift change exchange around the holidays. That's when one of the lottery tickets she received ended up being a $1,000 winning scratch-off. Cool. She goes, we're in a time when inflation is going crazy, the price is everything. That $1,000 was a saving grace around Christmas time. 
But when the mother of three went to pick up her prize money, the only thing she left with was a special circumstances ticket saying she had a possible state-owed debt to the DEO. Everything had been taken, she said. The last time she collected unemployment was nearly two years ago. She said, I literally felt a pit in my stomach. I stay up all on all my stuff, my taxes. I'm very on it with those kinds of things. So I'm like, how did I let this go? So then she pulled it out. It said next to overpayment. So, yeah, she's still fighting that deal. And apparently others are having this. So this woman is gainfully employed somewhere. Yep. Yep. But the state's saying, no, yep. you owe you us. owe us money on that. So, yeah. That doesn't. That doesn't pass. It sounds like Florida, doesn't it? Yeah. All right. Uh, this will uh, pass. The, the uh, charges against the woman in Florida shooting her husband have been changed. Uh, 76-year-old woman accused of fatally shooting her husband. Uh, and it's been changed originally from first-degree murder to assisting self-murder manslaughter. Ooh. 77-year-old husband. He wanted her to pull the trigger, and it happened in a hospital room. Oh, jeez. He wanted to, he was too weak to handle the gun and handed her the gun and said, will you do me the honors? So she pulled the trigger and she shot and killed him. The problem escalated when they came to get her and she turned and fired the weapon at somebody else. Yeah. It went up, went up yeah. to the ceiling. Yeah. Uh, so Plus, that, I'm pretty... That isn't, complicated isn't, there, isn't there laws about you probably discharging a firearm in a hospital? Yeah, yeah. There, there, yeah. That, too. So it was an <laughs> issue. So, ah, uh, Florida. All right. Second hour of Life of Tower coming up on the horn.